Purim is a time that we celebrate in a very unique way, as we know. And over previous years, we've discussed the meaning of drinking yayin and all of the various uh, nuances of the Chag. What I'd like to talk about this morning is the union of wearing costumes, and which is, seems to be such a major part of the experience. And you think that for sure it's something that's found in, in the Gemara and the Medrashim. And in fact, it's not. If you look around, I don't think the Rishonim speak about it. It's something that somehow developed over the past few hundred years. And very little is brought in any of the svarim really about it. There's halachic discussions about, you know, a man wearing women's costumes and a woman wearing a man's. But other than that, there's really very little discussion about what the makar exactly is for costumes. I know in my house, and I'm sure in many others, the kids are tumbling about the costumes day and night for months. And, you know, what am I going to wear? What should I be? And, you know, we have to scramble for costumes in the last minute because they change their mind over and over again. And so even if you bought them a costume two weeks ago, that's, you know, that has to be scrapped. And the stores, of course, don't take back the costumes once you bought it. There's a no return policy. So it's very lebedic, at least in my house, about, you know, what exactly every kid should be and what should I dress up as. What's exactly the makar for all of this? It sounds... You know, very similar to a Gayasha holiday, but is there any basis for it? And clearly there is in, in our, uh, in our Yantuva Purim. So if you look around in the, in the Svarim that are Malakit Minhagim, it brings a few different reasons. I'll share briefly with you some of them, and then I'd like to suggest my own, if I may. I saw in the time I'm in Hagim, which is, uh, my father, Elav Shalom used to love the Sefer Time Amen Hagim. He loved it so much that by my bar mitzvah year, when I was invited to many bar mitzvahs, so all the other kids in the class, you know, their fathers stocked up to buy them, you know, for their friends. I don't know what was very in at the, at the time. Now, you know, it seems like a, a dinosaur, I guess, but it was like, pens with digital clocks on them. That was all the rage. So some kids got, like, they bought 30 of those, and they'd give it out as, as gifts to all, of their ki- all the kids in the class. And other cool types of prizes. My father brought home a box of Time Am and Hagim. And I was supposed to give this to all the kids in my class, and needless to say, I was not the most popular kid that year. Because that's not what they were expecting, exactly. But that's what my father felt that was what the boys should use. And so time Amen Hagim the, says a reason that there's a Chazal that says that the whole problem of Purim really began much earlier than Achashverosh. It began already with Nebuchadnezzar, that they're Mishtachev El That was one of the reasons why we were Mechuyev to be destroyed. But the Gemara says that it wasn't really when they were bowing to Nebuchadnezzar's idol it wasn't a, an internal worship. They did it externally. It was a superficial, 
act of prostrating themselves before Nebuchadnezzar's idols, Meira. They were afraid of getting killed, so they did it, but it wasn't obviously internal. When Akadish made this decree of annihilation of the Jewish people, it was an external threat of annihilation. It was never that Akadish really wanted us inside for his people to be consumed. It was just an external act in order to threaten us so that we would do tshuva and come back to him. But it was never, never, it was not real. It wasn't a real threat. It wasn't internally felt by the Rabbi Nishlaim, Kaviyakal. And so, that's one makar that the time I'm in Hagen brings. We wear costumes because costumes show that it's just an external facade that we put on, but deep down inside, that's not really who we are and that's not who we were. Bisman Nebuchadnezzar, we, were not, we never intended to that the external act of bowing was really ever felt internally. That was not what the intention was. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the entire um, narrative of Purim in order to scare us. But again, it was only an external fear. It was not ever an internal, an internal desire. Another obvious reason for wearing the masks on Purim is because the whole Nase of Purim is a Nase Nister. There was Hester Panim on, on Akadosh Baruch behalf. His name is not in the Megillah. His, he's not recognized. It was all behind the scenes. If you would live at those, in those times, you wouldn't see the Ad Hashem Beferush. It was just all understood after the fact that Akadosh Baruch was there. Esther hid herself from Akashverosh. She didn't tell who she was. She didn't tell until the last minute when it was the key moment of making Akashverosh attack Haman. Mordechai really was, remained behind the scenes throughout a lot of the story. And so... Because of all of this, we also hide our identity on Purim by wearing costumes. Another possible explanation for the Minig is brought that during the time of the Gezerah against the Jews that we were all to be destroyed, many Jews dressed up as Goyim to protect themselves so as not to be recognized as being Jewish. And likewise, when the decree was overturned, and now the Jews have the Goyim on the run, many of the Amalekim, they dress themselves up as Jews. The Rabbim, Me'amearetz Mesyadim, they pretended to be Jews, so there was a lot, of, a lot of costume wearing during the time of Purim. People were wearing different, different costumes to reveal, to hide rather, who they really were. Mordechai wore the Big Day Malchus. He was dressed up as the Big Day Malchus. That was the turning of the tide of the story. And so we wear new clothing as a Zechel Anais. Interesting, another reason that's suggested is that Jews throughout history were at one point wealthy and sometimes their fortunes had reversed and now they were poor and they needed to collect money and Purim is of course the time to do it but they were embarrassed 
And so they dressed up in costumes so that they, when they go collecting, people wouldn't see who they were. People wouldn't say, wait a minute, I thought he was rich. In order to maintain their covet and their dignity, they dressed up. And it's fascinating, Goyim began to do the same. They also wanted to make a buck on Purim, so they dressed up also, and you didn't know if it was a Yid or a guy. And that's the Makar for saying Purim Taira. That's the Makar that people, you know, ask to say a Vart, and you give them money based on the Vart, and sometimes the Vart is funny, and it's, where does that come from? It was in order to separate the Jews from the Goyim, so you'd know if you're giving your Tzedakah money to a Yid or a guy. And so that was perhaps the reason for dressing up on Purim in costume in order to protect the covet of people that are embarrassed to go around collecting. All of these are beautiful timing. And obviously many of, perhaps probably all the timing have truth. I'd like to suggest another reason for wearing costume, more of a deeper deeper type of reason. We do find in the, in the Megillah that there was one costume, one costume that was worn in the Megillah. At the pivotal moment in the storyline when Achashverosh was livid with Haman, and the Gemara says that he walked outside of his, of his palace because he was so upset and he saw that somebody was chopping down the trees of his beloved orchard and he asked, who told you to do this? Haman. Oh, he was so angry, came back storming into the palace and he sees that Haman is on the bed together with Esther. And that's when he says, Agam And Imamish is so angry with Haman. But we know that Achashverosh the Melech Hafkafan. He was, you know, he was sort of schizo. He was one minute happy, one minute sad, one minute angry, one minute okay. He was very, very, he was very quick to change. So, you know, he could have cooled off. At that moment in time, Charvayna, who was one of the Sarise HaMelech, we were introduced to him early in the Megillah, one of the inner cabinet members of Achashverosh. At the beginning of the Megillah, he is spelled Charvayna with an Aleph. And now the Megillah reintroduces us to him, and it says, Vayaymer Charvayna Echoy Menasarisim Lifnei HaMelech. One of the king's officers who we know about, here it's spelled with a hey, Charvayna with a hey, Gam Behold, there is a tree, 50 Amis tall, that Haman prepared for Mardachai, Asher Diber the Mardachai who saved your life. That's the tree, and um, he, he wanted to do in your, your loyal servant, Mardachai. And immediately Achashverosh says, Talu Allah, and they right away schlepped him to the gallows, and he was hung. He was a hero. Charvayna was a major part of the story. Charvayna 
We say the Gam Harvaina Zachar Lataiv. We say in Shoshanas Yaakov in the famous song that we sing in the Bismuth of Purim. Shoshanas Yaakov Salav Samecha. And then we say at the end, the Gam Harvaina Zachar Lataiv. Harvaina gets a good, honorable mention because he saved the Jews, really. In fact, there is a gra that says, Machai Emches Echa Malik. The word Emches spelled Aleph Mem Ches In the time of the Megillah, which is a Mechias Amalek, because Haman was Mizera Amalek, so it's a, it's a small miniature Mechia of Amalek. Emche were the major players in the story of the Mechias Amalek. Aleph is Esther, Mem is Mordechai. Ches is Charvayna, and He is Hashem. Four major players, key players, in the storyline of the Megillah that saved the day that were Meicha, Malek, and Charvayna, who we wouldn't even, you know, think that, you know, was, was a major cast member. He is one of the top four. I would have thought there were other people and, you know, the major heroes of who would ever think that Charvayna is Mamash a major hero? But the Gros says, Emcha the Ches is Charvayna. So clearly Charvayna is a character that we have to focus on a little bit in the Megillah. Everybody spends all the time in the ink with Mordechai and Esther. Charvayna is given short shrift, but Charvayna is also one of the key players. If not for Charvayna, we would probably not be here today. That's how strong Charvayna's input was in getting Haman killed immediately because otherwise Achashverosh may have changed his mind. Now the Yalkut says something very interesting. Charvayna, we know the Gemara Megillah says Charvayna wasn't some goody-goody. You'd think, oh, Charvayna was the goody-goody that snitched on Haman. Charvayna, it says, was one of the people that were Ba'isai Eitza. He was the one that schemed together with Haman to make the they bring a raya because how did he know there was 50 amas? Well, he had a tape measure. All of a sudden he was able to mishire that it was exactly 50 amas. Obviously he was sitting in in the war room of, of, Amale, of Haman to scheme and to plot and to connive to hang, Haman, to hang Mordechai on this tree 50 amas high. So he knew 50 amas. Where do you know 50 amas? Because he was in, in the inner circle. So all of a sudden he turned on his good friend, Haman, at the last minute. So the Yalka tells us that Charvayna was not really Charvayna. He was the body of Charvayna, but Eliyahu Anavi, Zohar Lataiv, hijacked Charvayna's body, took over the body, pretended to be Charvayna, and therefore he was the one that says, you know, that was Eliyahu Navi talking in the costume of Charvayna. In fact, I think the Gros says that that's why we say the Gam Charvayna Zohar Lataiv. Where do you have a Lashem Zohar Lataiv? Funny Lashem, you should say the Gam Charvayna you know, Tisla Mitzvah. What's Zachar Lataiv? Zachar Lataiv is, we say every time that we bench, Harachaman Yivarech, 
In fact, I think in the Yerushalmi Kemat, every time it says Eliyah Navi, it always says right after it's Zachar Lataiv. Zachar Lataiv is the way that we always meant, that's like the Shlita for, for Eliyah Navi. Instead of saying Shlita, we always say Zachar Lataiv, Eliyah Navi. The Gam Charvaina, Zachar Lataiv, that's a remez that is really Eliyah Navi. It wasn't Charvaina. It was Eliyah Navi wearing Charvaina's body. The Chassam Seifer says, that's why we switch from a charvayna with an aleph to a charvayna with a hay. Charvayna with an aleph is a gayasha way of spelling a word, right? If you, we, we learn Gemara enough to know that Aramaic ends with aleph. All the words always end with alephs. Jews, we end off words with hays. So normally his name was really charvayna, but we spell it with a hey at the end to be Mirame. He said, this is a Jewish Charvayna. This is Charvayna with a Jewish twist because he had Eliyah Navi inside of him now. He says even a greater Barth the Chassam Seifer. He says, Charvayna, Charvayna means an Ish Cherev. So with an Aleph, he was a warrior. He was a general. But Charvayna with a hey is a Jewish Ish Cherev. What type of Jew is an Ishkar? That's not a Jewish, you know. Jews are not generally, uh, you know, before the, the rise of the state of Israel, it wasn't. We don't really associate Jews with people being men of the sword. There's one type, there's two types of men of the sword that are Jews. A shaykhet, but a mile. A mile has a sword, a little knife, an ismo. Eliyahu Navi is Eliyahu Malach Abris. He was like the ultimate Mayo. He's always by every bris, Eliyahu Navi. Kisesh Eliyahu. And so Charvayna with an Aleph switches to Charvayna with a Hey because now it's really a, a Remes Eliyahu Navi who is the Malach Abris. There's a Gemara in Megillah on Dav Tesavim Abayz that all the Tanam and Amiran ask, what did Esther see fit? How did she know to invite Haman to her Suda? Like, what was her rationale? Like, Haman was her wicked enemy, right? Why, why would she go and invite him to the... It turned out to have a happy ending. And obviously she had Rech HaKadosh, and that's one of the Pshatim. But how did, why did she do that? What was her Cheshvan exactly? And there are a whole list of Tanam and Amiran that give their suggestions. And the Gemara says that Ashrechei Rabba Baravua Leliyahu. Rabba Baravua asks, you know, bumps into Eliyahu and says, Who's right? And Eliyahu Navi says, Everybody's right. They're all right. Esther had all of these kavanas when she invited Haman to her Suda. Now, Pashtus, Eliyahu Navi was qualified because he was a Navi. He you know, he was using his extra powers. But according to this Yalkut, it's very gishmak. Eliyahu was there. He was masquerading as Charvayna, but he was there, so he knew. He was at that party. So he was able to not just divine what Esther's Kavan was, but he knew firsthand. He saw what was going on. He saw how she was acting. He saw exactly what she was meaning by inviting Haman to her Suda. The Dubna Magid says that the reason why we owe 
Charvayna such a Kayach, even though it was Eliyahu Hanavi, he says, because it's a mushal of a person who is invited to a chasana, and let's say as I'm leaving to the chasana, all of a sudden I notice that I have a stain on my suit. Forgot to send the suit to the dry cleaner before I thought I was going to do it after Shabbos. I forgot all of a sudden I put on the suit and I see there's a big chillin stain on my suit. So what do I do? I can't, you know, you try to uh, scratch it out and it gets worse. So what you do is you go to your neighbor that's approximately your size and you say, hey, Chaim, do you mind lending me your suit? You're invited to the chasa? No, I'm not invited. Okay, sorry. But, you know, lend me your suit. So he lends me a suit, it sort of fits. What do I do when I come back from the chasna? I bring him something. I bring him a Napoleon. I bring him up, uh, you know, so I ask the waiter to bring me a meal. I bring him something from the suda in order to give him a yashir kayak for giving me his suit for the night. That's what happens with Harvaina. Harvaina didn't really do anything himself. He was still Harvaina. He was part of the Eitzah. But we, since Eliyahu Navi borrowed his suit, he borrowed his costume for the day, so it's Magielo Yashrikayach. And the Gam Charvayna Zachel, that we give him honorable mention, Charvayna, because we borrowed his suit. So that's why we give him Yashrikayach. And I want to suggest that that's the reason for the minig of wearing costumes on Purim as a zecher to Charvayna. Because Charvayna gave us his costume, Eliyahu Navi wore Charvayna's body for the day. And because of that, there was a mechiyah of Amalek Emcha with a ches. Charvayna with Eliyahu Navi's hay. With Matzil Klal Yisrael, because we were able to wear the costume, the begodim, to the chasna of Esther. And so that's why, Ladar Dairis, we wear costumes on Purim in order to celebrate the Indian that Eliyahu Navi wore Charvayna's body. We have to understand why is it that Eliyah Nabi is able to wear Kharvaina's body. I mean, is that normal? Am I able to take over somebody else's body? And Eliyah Nabi didn't just wear Kharvaina's body. Eliyah Nabi constantly masquerades in other people's bodies. Briefly, there's a Gemara in Brachis Adavavamubez where it says that Eliyah Navi was Idmi Lekitaya. Eliyah Navi appeared as an Arab merchant. There's a Gemara in Shabbos and Avkoftesim and Aleph that says that Eliyah Navi was Idmi Lekitaya. He looked like a senior Chasheva officer. There's a Yerushalmi Ksuvis that says that he took over the body of Rebchia, who was a dentist. Rebchia was a dentist for Rabbeinu HaKadosh. And it says that he tried to fix the tooth of Rabbeinu HaKadosh, and for 13 years Rabbeinu HaKadosh had tooth pain. 
and he was very upset at Rebchia. He like didn't every time he passed him in the street, he didn't want to. He didn't want to see him. We know that dentists don't have the best. You know, you know. Sometimes dentists are not so popular. They could be the nicest people in the world, but we associate them with pain. And so, Rabbeinu Hakadosh was upset at Rebchia. And the Gemara says, and the Yerushalmi says that Eliyah Navi took over the body of Rebchia, the dentist, and he went to Rabbeinu HaKadosh and he touched his tooth and he fixed the pain. And after that, Rabbeinu HaKadosh once again like embraced Rebchia, not so much because his pain went away, but because he hopped that it was Eliyah Navi, and that if Eliyah Navi felt comfortable in the body of Rebchia, he must be a chashaviyid. There's a Gemara Nidorim that says that Eliyah Navi appeared like a, an average man, Kanosha. That's a Gemara Nuna Menalef. In Abay Dezari, Taf Yudzayin Mebez, it says that Idmi Leke Chashuva de Malka. He appeared like one of the king's royal officers. And Abay Dezari, Taf Yudchesem Menalef, Idmi Leke Zaina. He took the appearance of a Zaina. We see that Eliyah Navi is like the man of a thousand faces. He's able to have so many different disguises. Not only that, but there's a Taisus in Chulon and Davavim and Aleph that says that every time it says in Shas the word Ahu Saba, that old man, you could find that word if you do a search. I didn't, maybe I should have, but it probably appears, you know, maybe a hundred times throughout Shas. Always Ahu Saba. There's so many sabas. Zuck, so very sadistic in Chulin. Whenever it says Ahu Saba, it's talking about Eliyahu Navi. Tysus sort of seems to reject that and says that, you know, from the Meissen, Mesech Shabbos, with the Rav Shimba you know, there was a Saba that, so he turned to a pile, you know, he, he I think Rav Shimba or his son, uh, sort of zapped that Saba and killed him, so it's master that it's not Eliyahu Navi. So Reb Tzaddik says that Tysus doesn't reject the thesis that all Ahu Sabas and Shas is Eliyahu Navi. He's just saying that that particular Gemara doesn't, is not, is not Eliyahu, can't be Eliyahu Navi because Eliyahu Navi wouldn't be punished by Rishim Bayechai. But, alright, so you have to work on that Gemara, but basically all the other Ahu Sabas and Shas Eliyahu Navi. So we see that Eliyahu Navi is always masquerading his people. What's, what is this with Eliyahu? I don't think we find this with anybody else. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if we ever find other people, other Nevi'im, Malachim, I don't know, that appear as regular people. I don't know if that's, that's so common, if at all. There's a great Misa, Purim Misa, that also teaches us a little bit about Eliyahu Navi and how he somehow goes as other people. There's a story that Reb Chaim was once walking in the streets of his town on Purim and a certain Ani came over to him and said, I would like some tzedakah. 
And if Chaim Elijah, I'm sure, would have given him any day of the year, but Purim is Kalapeshit Yad Nestimla, you're supposed to give Aniyim every time they stick out their hand. You don't say, well, let me see your certificate, let me see if the Vat approved you. If anyone sticks out their hand on Purim, you give them. That's Awacha. So he, was, he gave me, stuck in his hand, his back gave him whatever he gave him. And this Ani says, if I tell you a great Vart on the Megillah, will you give me more? He says, of course. I am a Lajner. So this Ani proceeded to tell him some Purim tire, but not the fake Purim tire, real Purim tire. And he said that the measure says that in the midst of the crisis in Shushan, when the decree was, was placed on, against the Jewish people, Eliyah Navi goes up to Shemayim and tells Moshe Rabbeinu desperately what's going to be with Kali Yisrael. Looks like they're finished, right? Moshe Rabbeinu says it depends. If the decree was sealed with blood, meaning when Haman signed and Achashverosh signed and whatever with a ring, I don't know if it was sealed with blood, then the Jewish people are finished. The Yidden are done. But if it's sealed with tits, with cement, with clay, whatever that is, if that's the way the decree was sealed with wax signet ring, then it's Shayach to save them. Elion Navi immediately said it was done with tit, it was not done with dam. And so Maishra Rabbeinu said, okay, good, then go tell Mardukai and we'll you know, rally the troops and Leif Knesset call Yehudim and we'll save the Jews. That's the Medrash. So this Oni says to Chaim Malajanah, says, it, where is this Marumas in the Megillah? This beautiful Medrash, where is the Marumas in the Megillah? So Chaim Lush says, I don't know, you stumped me. So the Oni says to Chaim Lushner, it says, Im HaMelech Taiv, Haman says, Im HaMelech Taiv, Yikasev Le'abdom. If it's good in the eyes of the king, let's write it and destroy these people. Le Abdam said the Ani is Loibidam. Yikasei, but Loibidam. The Ksiva, the decree is going to be sealed, but not with blood, with, with teeth, with cement. Le Abdam is Loibidam. And Rechaim Elijah was so blown away by this Remez that he gave the Ani a tremendous amount of money. But the story doesn't end there. Reb Chaim Elijah was so despoiled that he went to his Rebbe, the Vilna Gaim, and he said, Rebbe, you're not going to believe this. I heard such a beautiful shop from an Ani on Purim, and he says that he, and I gave him extra money for it. He says, what was the Vart? He says, and he said that it's a remez of life Adam. Did you ever hear a more beautiful shot in the Megillah? The gross smiles, and he says that you should know that that Ani was no other, none other than Eliyahu Navi himself. You were Zaycheh to Gili Eliyahu. Eliyahu Navi came to you and he told you that part. Very, very strange that Eliyahu Navi dresses up as different people, as a general, as Harvaina, as a Zaina, as a Saba. He mamashikis masquerading. 
should come to my house. I got 20 more uniforms for him. I got costumes in my closet galore. We have UPS men. We have astronauts. We got whatever you want, we have it. So Leon Navi, if I want Gil Elio, you know, I'm a good place to have to come because I got whatever costume he needs. Elmo, anything. What's the try? Elia Navi dresses up, he takes people's bodies. Like, can't he just say Elia Navi? I want to say a shot in Elia Navi. But first, we need a little background that we all know of, but just a reminder. There's two things in life there's a goof and there's an ashama. There's a body and there's a soul. We all have both, Baruch Hashem. And the body needs the soul, the soul needs the body, but there is constantly a friction and a tension and a conflict between the body and the soul of who is the dominant power. The body says, I'm it. You have to take care of me, and you have to, you know, look good, and you have to work out, and you have to be, you know, very physical. Yeah, you have an ashama, but, you know, follow me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in control. And that's why we follow our taivas a lot. And we eat when we want, and we drink when we want, and we do crazy stuff, and we party, and we do physical stuff, and we, like, we're always looking at things where that's because our body is pulling us away from the neshama. And the neshama is like, you know, choking to death from this guf. Because the Mesut Hashem says it's nimas. It's disgusted by all the things that the guf It doesn't want this bodily stuff. It wants to be holy. It wants to be spiritual. It wants to be, you know, the good part of us. The better angels in us. That's the neshama. The guf is like always telling us, yeah, go party. Go engage in this physical... Schmutz of the world, that's what it wants. And we very often let the guf triumph. The Nisham, on the other hand, says, let's daven, let's learn, let's do chesed, let's be a nice person. Yeah, of course I need a body to daven, I need a body to eat, eat shmur matzahs. I need a body, but the body has to be subjugated to my neshama. My neshama has to be the dominant force in me. And all that the body is, is a malvush for the neshama. It's a coat. That's all it is. We don't understand this. We think that the goof is the goof. And the neshama is like a little pixel in the goof that, you know, sometimes we have to make happy. The neshama is us. I once read, I think, in one of Rabbi Kaplan's books, that if you ask anybody in the world to point to themselves. Who are you? Point to yourself. Where does a person always point? Now, you would think, without doing it yourself, you point to your face. Because your face is what you spend so much time looking in the mirror all day at, right? You're brushing your hair, and you're fixing your this, and you're doing that, and that. Right, that's, that's your face. So your face should be me. I should point to my face. Because that's the, you know, that's the spitz of my goof. But everybody, anywhere in the world, when you ask them to point to themselves, they'll always go over here. This is me. Not just because, I guess, the closest to, you know, people are lazy, so they don't want to go here, they go there. But the real reason is because the neshama is situated somewhere around here, 
And when you're pointing to yourself, I know Rabbi Chaim Lajner says in Hashanah is here, but basically it's in the heart. It's, that's where the goof is. The, the, that's where the center point of us, who we are, is. And so when you're pointing, you're basically saying, this is me. I am my neshama. Deep down inside, we all know that our neshama is us, not our face, and not our body, and not our abs. It's the neshama that's us. All our bodies are, is a malvush for the neshama. I saw a beautiful maisa, it's a sad maisa, but it's a beautiful maisa with Rabbi Yaakov, Maisha Kalevsky. If Kalevsky was one of the Rosh Hashivas in Ner Yisrael, he was Nifter uh, maybe 10 years ago. Tremendous Adam Gadol, tremendous Talmud Chacham. And for a very short Kufa, he was the Rosh Hashiva in, in Ner Yisrael until he was Nifter. And so he lost Rachman Litzlan, a grandchild, in a car accident. A nine-year-old boy by the name of Laid died, and by the Kvura, as they were lowering this little Oren into the ground, Sir Kulevsky was holding his other grandson's hand, the brother of Laid, a 12-year-old boy, and obviously it's Rachman al-Islan Le'olani, we should never know from it, but it's very traumatic to see your, 12-year-old bro- your nine-year-old brother being lowered into a grave. And he was like shaking, and Kalevsky held his hand tight. And he says, don't be afraid. He says, that's not Leib. That's Leib's coat. Leib is in Shemayim. This is just Leib's coat that's going down into the, into, the, into the ground. That's not Leib. What our goof is, when it comes down to it, all our goof is, is a coat for our neshama. Now, the coat could be very holy, because if we use our guf for Avedis Hashem, for the neshama, it's a very holy coat because it's serving, it's serving something very holy. And we can make our coats very holy in life. We can be makadish them with a red kavanis. When we eat, that could be a holy experience. When we sleep, it could be a holy experience. When we play ball, it could be a holy experience. But we're icing in anything and everything, as long as we have the right kavanas, our coat could be niskadish, like the big day kayan gadol. But ultimately, the end of the day, a coat, the guf is a coat. That's serving and clothing and warming and providing a, a vehicle for our neshama to be able to move from one place to another and to accomplish great things in this life. But that's all that the guf is. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, all that remains from us is our neshama. And our guf is merely a malbush for the neshama. We find something very unique about Eliyahu Anavi. Eliyahu Anavi was one of the few individuals that were zaycheh. The Medrash tells us in Derecheret Zuta. The Medrash tells us that Eliyahu Anavi was one of the few individuals that were zaycheh to go into Gan Eden with his guf. His guf went with him to Gan Eden. When Eliyahu Anavi died, it says, the Pasuk says that he went He went up in a storm into heaven. 
That's when his Talmud Elisha gave the famous Hesped, Avi, Avi, Rechev, Yisraelu, Parashav, my father, my father. Eliyahu died, but he didn't really die. He went up to Shemayim whole with his body. He was somewhere in between this world and the next world. In fact, the great Hasidic Rebbe, Repinchas Mikaritz, Repinchas Mikaritz says that the reason for the minig that we sing songs about Eliyahu Navi on Matzai Shabbos, Eliyahu Navi, if you take out a sitter, you'll see on, uh, right after Abdallah, there's a whole, a lot of pismainim, a lot of nigunim, a lot of different things about Eliyahu Navi. Right, people have the minute to sing Eliyahu Navi, Eliyahu Tishbi, Eliyahu Giladi. Right, what does Eliyahu Navi have to do with Matzai Shabbos? He says because Eliyahu Navi is somewhere between the two worlds. And Matzai Shabbos is a time that's a bridge between the main Eilam Hava, which is Shabbos, and the Eilam Hava, which is this world. And so we need like some, a way to land the plane a little bit. We need some bridge. We can't just go from Shabbos to Chayel without some, some intermediary power. So we invoke the name of Eliyahu Navi on Matzai Shabbos because Eliyahu Navi is going to be able to land the plane smoothly. Because Eliyahu Navi is what's called a Mimutza. He is like the go-between between this world and the next world. His body went up to Shamayim. So he's a shtikal Elam Hazel, Elam Haba, all in one. And I think the shot in that is that Eliyahu Navi understood that the neshama is me. The guf is a malbush of me. And therefore, I'm the kaddish, my guf. My guf was never like something that was, that I was identifying me as my guf. My, me was always my neshama. All my guf was, was always just a vehicle to drive the neshama, to be a malbush of the neshama. So he was able, uniquely, to be able to be zayche, to go with his very guf in Tailam Haba because his guf was holy because he understood that his guf was nothing more than a, than a limb of his neshama, than a malbush of his neshama. I think that's the reason why Eliyahu Navi is the malach bris. What is a bris? A bris is taking the guf and being mekadish the guf. The Chinuch writes that of, uh, basically, the, the tachlis, the sherish hamitzvah of, of, of Mila is that you take the body in the same way that a, a yid is different in his neshama, we have to show that we're different in our guf. Zotim kiveger in Shuvas, b'shein the oilas Ephraim, that when a person is gemalt, what you're doing is you're not only fixing the guf, you're fixing the arlas halev also. You have an arla on your body, you remove that. When Once that's done, the arla's halev, the heart that's generally like stopped up, we remove that stoppage and that enables us to be tremendous through the bris. Based on that, that if the father can't do the milah, the grandfather should do the milah. The mitzvah falls on the grandfather because since the grandfather has a chiv of Talmud Torah of his grandson, he likewise has first the chiv of Mila of his grandson. Because the guf is nothing more than a conduit to the neshama. That's what bris is all about. 
a brisech, a timzah, to show us and show the world and show the Rabbi Nishram that our intention with our guf is nothing other than to get into the neshama deeper. It's a malvish for the neshama. It's all about the neshama. Our guf is just ancillary to the neshama. Obviously, we need a guf, but the guf is not the main thing. It's a malvish, it's a coat that Leib is wearing and that our Leib is wearing. And I think that's why Eliyahu Nabi is uniquely able to go into people's bodies from one body to the next body to the next body. You know why? Because Eliyahu Nabi is a being that wears a goof like a malbush. It's just a costume. That's all a goof is. And so if it's just a costume, I can undress this costume and I can put on another costume. If a goof is me, so me is me, I'm stuck with me. But if all my goof is a malbush, I could take one off, off one malbush and I could put on another malbush. That's Eliyahu Navi. Eliyahu Navi teaches us that the main thing in life, Rabbi Sai, is the neshama. And the goof is a malbush for the neshama. Whatever we're doing with the goof, it's, if it's for Kvayt Hashem, if it's Hanav or getting Hanav in order, like the Mechaberites in Shulchan Aruch, believe it or not. He gives us a whole message. And he says, when you're eating, when you're drinking, if you have the right kavana. Because the guf is tremendous if it's a malbush for the neshama. But if the neshama is just like a part of the guf, but the guf is me, oh boy, then we're in trouble. Because we're going to spend our whole life chasing Taiva Salem Hazah, and we're going to have no Elamaba. Because we made our guf into the main thing. We can't be Elianavi then. We can't take off one guf and, and put ourselves into another guf. Like a costume. This is the storyline of Purim. This is not just Stam. A drush of Alma. About Elianavi. This is Purim. Klai Yisrael were mechuyavim kalia. They were supposed to be destroyed. Why? They had hanah from the suda of Achashverish. What does that mean? It means that even though Mardachai and the Gedalim said, don't go to that party. Don't go. It's wrong. There's stamyenam and there's, uh, you know, all types of kashrus issues, and there's preachers at the party. It's not a place that a yid should be, period. We said no, sorry. Rabbis, you know, stick to, uh, you know, stick to uh, learning in your base madrash over there. It's nice, it's good to have rabbis, but we know a little bit better. We got a ticket to the king's royal palace. He invited us. We have to go. And we want to taste a little bit of that food. We want to see the beautiful silk and the gold and the silver and the stones and all of that. We want to take it all in. We want to be Russia. We want to get physical pleasure. The goof triumphs. The neshama, all right, you know, 
We'll do tshuva, we'll do something, we'll, you know, we'll make it up. But right now, the guf is talking. The guf says, we want to go to the suga of Achashverosh. We want to have the geshmak. We want to see what our eyes could see. We want to hear what our ears could hear. We want to taste what our mouths could taste. We want to, see, we want to experience everything. We want to smell everything. The guf won. The guf won. That guf is Mechuyiv Kalyo. You're so important, you put all your emphasis on the guf. Haman could be geyser, lahashman, lahara, lahabid. You know what the Gros says on lahabid? He says a crazy thing. He says, lahashmid, I mean, how many, how many different ways can you say it? Lahashmid, lahara, lahabid. It seems like it's all the same thing. To destroy and to annihilate and so you know, our school could have a field day with that, but what does it mean? Lahashmid, lahara, lahabid. So the Gros goes through step by step. But he says, lahabid is that even after those Jews die, we're going to burn their bodies. We're going to be ma'abi them after they're dead. That's how much Haman hated the Eden. Sounds familiar, right? Seventy years ago, we also had a Haman, that also, it wasn't enough just to shoot them, they want to burn them. The, the guf has to be kalia. That's what Amalek wants, not just to take our neshama. He wants to take our guf. We wanted our guf to triumph we want to be Nana Misudos and Shachashverish. Fine. Lahashmid, Laharagalabi, take it all. Yukuf is gone. You don't deserve to live. You made your guf into the Iker. Your Mechuy of Kalia Beguf. The Eden did Shuvah, Baruch Hashem. Mardukai said, Esther, Mordechai, together, gather the Jews. Fast! Have a three-day tainus. Even the first day of Pesach, we didn't eat matzahs on the first day of Pesach that year. We didn't touch food for three days. It's very difficult. We know what a fast is like for one day. It was hard yesterday, right? Because they changed the clocks. Haman. Hard for one day, three days of tainus. It's like impossible. I, I, you know, like I can't do that. What's the point? The point was we have to stem the tide. You think the guf is the ikka? I'm going to show you. You have to negate the guf for three days now. You have to make your guf so tuffle that you do tshuva. That's what a tainus is. A tainus is okay. Let's stop focusing on the guf for ten minutes. Let's stop eating all of our devil dogs and ring dings and let's try to focus on the neshama for a few minutes. Three days of tainus. Negating the guf. The guf is like, you know, shriveling up from tainus. Feels so shvach. All I have left is my neshama. That's basically all I have after three days of tainus. Good! Now you can do tshuva. Now you understand what the main thing is. Now you understand that all the goof is is a malbush for the neshama. It was never meant to be taken as seriously as you were taking it. Make the neshama the ikkar. Forget the goof for a minute. How could you go to that suda vachashverish and say that the goof is the ikkar? And Eliyah Novi as the makibet patush says the Gam 
he dresses up as Charvayna, he assumes the role of Charvayna, showing that the goof is just a malbush. It's just something that I could put on and take off, but my main thing is the neshama. And Baruch Hashem, because of that, Haman was hanged. And the Yidin were zeichet to an Yitzachin on your Gimel and your Dalit. And we were zeichet Tapurim, the greatest day of the year. The greatest day of the year. And what is Purim? Purim is a day of Mishtev Simcha. Purim is a day like no other that we mamish feel the body so gishmak. It's a day that we celebrate with our guf, with achila, with shtia, with shmia, with kriya, with everything, all our body, all every sense is like, wow! But we're celebrating with our guf for our neshama. It's a day which is the holiest day of the year because the neshama is in control telling the guf what to do. Once a year, pamachas bashana. Yom Kippur is a day that we also, our neshama reigns supreme, but it's a neshama unkin guf without a guf. There's no eating, there's no drinking, there's nothing on it. It's just pure spiritual, which is great. But that's one part of the coin. That's only one half. That's, that's an important avayda too. But Purim is a day that we say we're doing tshuva for being nene misudah zachashverish. There was a suda that we were doing it for the guf. Now is a suda. It's a day that we're celebrating our guf, but by, by being completely subservient to our neshama. Chazal tell us to eat, we eat. Chazal tell us to drink yayin, we drink yayin. Chazal tell us to dance, we dance. Chazal tell us to sing, we sing. We're happy because Chazal tell us, Baruch Hashem, that we have, we're alive and we have a goof and we have a goof that's regulated by a Shulchan Aruch and by the Neshama. That's what Purim is. So we put on our costumes on Purim. And by putting on our costumes, we are Daimer Taliyah Navi. And we're saying to Rabbi Shalom, it's just a costume. Our goof is nothing more than a costume. We want to be like Eliyahu Navi. We also want to try to emulate that meat of Eliyahu Navi. That we're able to just be a goof. That's a malvash Neshama. That we could take off one goof and put on another goof. That's what we really, really want to be in life. That's what Purim is all about, Rabbi Say. At the end of the day, if you're looking forward to Purim because the day of pure Achila and Shtia and Shikras and Hailas, then that's not Purim, that's the opposite. That's the exact opposite of Purim. It's such a misunderstood day. It's a day that people think is just about Guf, and it's not. It's about the Neshama. But it's the Neshama being in command of the Guf. It's showing that we're able to drink and enjoy the Suda, Mishtev Esimcha V'yantif. We're able to make a Yantif out of Mishtev Esimcha and not act like a guy. And not act like they did at the Suda Sachashverish. But rather do tshuva for that. And to make it to show HaKadosh Baruch Hu even when we're drunk, we're able to show the Rabbi Nishalim, this is my Neshama speaking. When I'm drunk, I'm going to speak to every Taira. I'm going to say how much I love you, Rabbi Nishalim. I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to give my halal by 
through my shikras, through my guf, because that's all that I am. Anar after the kutcha b'richo, all I am at the end of the day is an Eved Hashem. I want to be your pure servant without any guf. If there's guf, it's just to serve the neshama. That's the only thing I want to go for. It's a time of tshuva. Yen Kippur is a day of tshuva, everybody knows. Purim is much higher tshuva. Because in Yom Kippur, we're clapping our chetz one after another for all the things that we did wrong with our guf. And in Purim, we're able to do things with our guf to show the Rebbe Nisham. Now I'm really showing you what my guf is. I'm showing you what I always intended for my guf to be. My guf is only a clee for you. It's only a clee to serve you. I'm not just showing it with lip service that I do on Yom Kippur. Now is the other side of Yom Kippur. Now is the Purim. It's the Yom Kippurim. Yom Kippur is the day like Purim because Purim is the day that we actually prove to the Rabbi Yisraelim what we, what we really were talking about in Yom Kippur. It's a commentary on Yom Kippur. It's a real life dramatization of Yom Kippur. Of all those al that you were clapping this and that and the other thing. Did you mean it or not? Now I'll see on Purim what, the way you use your guf. The things you're looking at. The things that you're speaking about. The things that you're listening to. That's the Avaida Purim. We have a chance to be Eliyah Novi. We have a chance to be Eliyah Novi. Once upon a time, there was a Hasidish Rebbe, and he was approached by one of his Hasidim. And his Hasidim said, his Hasid said, You know, Rebbe, there's one thing that I really want in life. And that is, I want to have Gil Elio. A very select people throughout history had Gil Elio. Chavetz Chaim, they said Gil Elio. Other great Gedayim and Tzadikim that were Nizharim from all the things from Shmir Seinayim. They always tell my kids, if you don't watch TV a whole year, you'll see Elio and Navi on Pesach night. Pesach night, when you open up the door for Shrech HaMasuch, if your eyes are so holy that you didn't see any, where's Eliyahu Navi? You'll see Eliyahu Navi if you use your eyes for things that are only pure. Very few people have that ability to do. Because we're human beings. There are few people that are able to be Zaycha throughout history to Gilu Eliyahu. This Chassid said, I want to have Gilu Eliyahu. So the Rebbe says, okay, no problem. Says, go to a certain house in the middle of a forest in Yehupitz. And if you go there, you'll have Gil Elio. Okay. So, the Rebbe says something, and the Chassid has to listen. So, it was like early Friday morning, Mamasha, I guess after the Shmuz, he left. And he went, and he put on his fur coat, because it was freezing there, it was the Russian winter and he goes, and it's the forest, there was no GPS, and he's getting lost, and a hit and a half. Finally, he comes to the house that the rabbi must mean, and it's like, he thought it was going to be like a nice house, and it was like a little hovel, mamish, you know, with like nothing. The dakush of the dakus. And he goes, and he says, this is where Eliyahu and Avi lives. All right, so he knocks on the door, and it was about a few hours before Shabbos. He didn't have a place to stay. And he thought Eliyahu would open the door. Instead, there was like this old, not old, but like very, uh, very poor and very 
disheveled woman that answers the door and he sees behind her like kids are running and they're wearing like tattered shmatas and they have no shoes on their feet and they look terrible and they look like malnourished and, and so poor and in the back there's like a husband that's you know, sitting by the table like looking so depressed and so wretched. But this is where the rabbi said, I could have Gil Elio. So this woman says, what can I do for you? It's Arab Shabbos, things are a little busy in the house. Not much to cook, but he says, can I stay for Shabbos? I have no place to stay. She says, you could stay for Shabbos but we don't have food for ourselves here. We mamish don't have, we have like one potato for the whole Shabbos. She says, if you want to, you know, if you have food to bring, you could sleep here, but we don't have any food to give you. I'm sorry. He says, is there any like grocery stores around? She says, yeah, there's a makolet, you know, a couple of miles down. And it should still be open if you hurry. So he runs to the Makolet and he basically buys up whatever was available. He brought like, you know, 20 chalas and, and cholent and uh, kishka and whatever he could find. He brought, you know, and gummy bears and, uh, you know, uh, Mike and Ike's, whatever, everything. He just put them all in the bag and he, he paid for it and he ran back to the house. And he brought all this stuff in. He says, this is for us for Shabbos. And their eyes like lit up. They never saw so much food in their whole life combined. Because this is all for us. We can all share in this for Shabbos. Yeah. Have a beautiful Shabbos together. And they did. They gave a little bed to him. And they sang Zmiris. And the kids were happy. And they were smiling. And they were eating. And they felt good. And they were, the, the light came back in their eyes. And after Shabbos, they made Havdalah, and they said goodbye to him, and they thanked him, and he said thank you to them. He makes the trip back home, finally comes back home, and he goes to the Rebbe, and he says to the Rebbe, Rebbe, you know, I, I did what the Rebbe said, but I didn't see Eliyahu Navi. So he said, no problem, go back again this Shabbos. I don't want to go back again this Shabbos. One Shabbos was quite enough. Go back again this Shabbos. Okay, the Rebbe said to go back again this Shabbos. I didn't see Eliyahu Navi last week. I don't know where I'm going to see him this week, but okay. Hazai, the Rebbe Gehesen. So, again, Friday morning after the Shmuz, gets his stuff together, and this time he already came with, with Pekla from, you know, Wasserman's and from Seasons, and he already came prepared. And he arrived at the door, Erev Shabbos, Samuel Hashecha. And the door was slightly ajar. And so before he knocked, he was listening. And the kids were crying. And the kids were saying, Mama, Mama, are we going to have a Shabbos like last Shabbos? Such a beautiful Shabbos last Shabbos. I don't want to go back to just eating potatoes. So beautiful last Shabbos. So she said, My Tyrakin, my precious child, you think Eliyah and Nabi is going to come, Stam? You have to dab him for Eliyah and Nabi to come. And all of a sudden, this person realized that Eliyah and Nabi 
is not necessarily a, a Navi that comes externally, but we could be Eliyahu Navi. Sometimes you can look in the mirror and you could see that you are Eliyahu Navi. That's what Purim is. It's a day that we perceive ourselves as being Eliyahu Navi Zachar It's a day that we're able to understand that if we want, we could wear costumes the entire year. We could be Eliyahu Navi jumping from person to person because our goof is not the main thing. Our goof is completely tuffle. And it's bottle ka'afra da'ara tarnashama. If we want. It's a choice that we all make. Every single day we make that choice. Do we want our goof to triumph or do we want our neshama to triumph? And some days it's this way and some days it's that way. But Purim is a day that we're machria. We can be Eliyahu Anavi. We could be able to take our goof and make it holy. That our goof could go up to Shemaim. Do you know that when the Vilna Gain, the person who told her Chaim Halajner, that that was Eliyahu Navi, that, that Ani was none other than, than Eliyahu Navi, and his name was Eliyahu Mivilna. Do you know that when the Vilna Gain died, and then a couple of years later, maybe a couple of decades later, they had to move him to a different cemetery because the Gayim were raising all of the Kvaras in that cemetery to build something there. They exhumed his body, I believe it was maybe 80, 90 years later. And his body was perfectly intact, they say. And his cheeks were rosy red. As I state in Sarum, that are reliable Sarum. Because when a person is completely machnia, his guf is nishama, his guf becomes holy. They say about the gra that the gra used to eat regularly. He wasn't one of these people that were eating, you know, little little tablets every day of, of you know of vitamin pills. And that's how he got his nutrition. He would eat Hashem, he would eat steak and he'd eat rice, he'd eat kugel, he'd eat. And one time there was a dibuk that came and, and took over somebody's body and and basically they interviewed this Dibuk who knew things in Shemayim. And they asked the Dibuk if Elio me Vilna, if the Vilna guy would come and be Mitzavayu to get out the body, would you? And the Dibuk said, absolutely. We're very scared in Shemayim of this man. And so they asked him, what are you so scared about? He's a man that eats regularly. He's not one of these, you know, Prushim that basically don't eat anything and are completely, um, you know, deprive their bodies of any Hanoah by Lamaza. And you know what the Dibbuk said? That's what we're afraid of. Because when he eats his Achilas, Kachilas, Kachim, when he eats his Mamash eating Karbanis, whatever, whatever he's doing is so holy. His body is holy because he made his body holy through his listening to the Neshama. We can enjoy Ayelam Hazar so we don't have to be people that take vows of any sort of abstinence. It just has to be done up the Shulchan Aruch. And if it's done up the Shulchan Aruch, your body becomes physically holy. And it could go up to Ayelam Haba because you deserve that right because your body has not been compromised at all but rather it's become a chilek of your neshama. That's what Purim is. A Purim is a day that our guf becomes a chilek by neshama. Purim is a day that we all become Eliyahu Navi. Purim is a day that we wear 
Masechais. We wear masks and we wear costumes because we're saying to ourselves, we want to be Eliyahu Anabi in this world. And Amir Hashem, if we're Zaycha to being Eliyahu Anabi, we'll be Zaycha to the Besura of Eliyahu Anabi. Eliyahu Anabi is the Mavasar of the Mashiach, the last Nevoah and Nach. Eliyah Navi is going to be the person, the being that brings Klai Yisrael closer together, fathers to sons, sons to fathers, bringing Klai Yisrael to Tshuva. And once we're all doing Tshuva, then Mashiach to come. We should be that Eliyahu Navi. We should be the catalyst to bring Mashiach through our Purim, through our life of Purim. Purim symbolizing the Guf being nothing more than a Malbush for Neshama. And once that be, once that can happen, once everybody in Klai Yisrael is able to understand that the Neshama is the king and the Guf is just a Coat. Then Mashiach could come. And Mitz Hashem, even after Mashiach comes, Chazal tell us that there will always be a Purim. I always say, normally I say it in a different state of mind, but every year in the Purim Shack I say the same part, and it might be Kfira, and you'll forgive me if it is. I'm not speaking to you, I'm speaking behind me. But why is it that Purim? is even, it says, all the mayadis are betalim. Even after all the yamtayim are bato, Purim is always going to be. Even after Mashiach comes, we're still going to have a Purim shack. Why is that? Why not Pesach? What's wrong with Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot? It's not bad. And my vart is always the same. And my vart is because if we would be deprived of a Purim, we wouldn't want Mashiach to come. Purim is such an amazing day that Chalilah V'chasa would itself be a Ma'akiv. If we would know that there's no Purim after Mashiach comes, we would not really want Mashiach to come, Rechman al-Islam. We need Purim in our life. Purim is not just Stame Yantif, Purim is the Yantif for us. It speaks to every one of us in different ways, but it's so important because we know what we struggle with with our Guf. And so Purim is the day that we could stem that tide of allowing our Guf to reign so supreme like we let it. We tame our guf on Purim. We rein it in. And we say the neshama is in charge. Haneshama lach guf The Rabbi you made the neshama. The, the guf is just a pile. The guf is just a servant of the neshama. And that's what Purim is. It's a day that we daven. Rabbi say daven on Purim. Purim is a day that you don't know. I don't know either. But we don't know how powerful the tefillahs of Purim are. Don't waste a second of tefillah time on Purim with shtiyot. So many times during the year, how many times do we say after davening to ourselves, boy, that was so not a davening. We just blew another mincha. I, I didn't think of a word of what I sang. I was thinking about everything else but. Why is that? Because our guf is mashal over our neshama. 
Our guf always wins. Every time. Every time we want. I just, I want Kavana by the Bracha Rishon. Just let me have Kavana when I say, okay, Avram, okay. Oh, sorry, you blew it again. You were thinking about sports. You were thinking about midterms. You were thinking about, you know, whatever. Every time. Kimat every time. You know, maybe I'm the only guy in the room that that happens to. But every time. Because the guf is so important. Because we're thinking about those midterms. Because that's more important than the neshama. Purim is a day that our neshama has, if you let it, clear, clear access to the end zone. There is no scrimmage. There is no resistance to getting wherever you want on Purim. And the tefillahs go straight to Shemayim. In the Svarim Akadashim it says that when, just like you have to give an ani that stretches out his hand to you on Purim, you have to give no questions asked. On Purim, if we stretch out our hands to the Rabbi Yishayim and ask the Rabbi Yishayim for whatever we need, whatever we want, HaKadosh Baruch Hu can't resist us. Purim is a day like no other day. The davening, the laning, the Kriya Satera, the Kriya Samagillah, the Mitzvah Sayayim, Shalach Manis, and Matanis Avyayim, and the Suda, and the Reyes, and the Ava. There's no day like that in the Jewish calendar, period. But it's a day not to waste a second of it. Be in the right places. Be in the right frame of mind. Daven well. Be Eliyohan Navi. And Amir Hashem. The Mavasar Taid Mashmir Yeshuais will come and tell us, Aymer Lutzia and Malach Alekayach, Pemheir Abiyameinu Amin.